Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby, and I am here with the lovely Tarina Warby. Hello out there. Incomparable yes. lovely. Yeah. Sorry, lovely I was Trina. yawning, and I was like, I can get that out. I gotta say hello, and yeah. then. <laughs> Trina and I are part of Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education, and celebrating 26 years of excellent uh, financial excellent. education. Yeah, we just they just cleared last month. Yeah, for 25 years they just yes to 26. Yes, yeah, so I recently looked at um. At They've their, been together. Reviews. They've been here longer than we've been together. Together, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Now we've recently celebrated our our 21st anniversary, and they're on their 26th. How about I know. that? I know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So I recently took a look at uh, at our reviews. Did you know that Online Trading Academy reviews, if you're looking at it from the stars, because we get a 4.72 stars, you know. Um, and that's that's kind of an average through all of the the trust pilot and the Yelp and all of the rest of it. Four point seven two. Online Scottsdale. Uh huh. Yeah, um, yeah. Online Scottsdale. Uh, yeah, the Trading Academy in Scottsdale is higher than that. Arizona. But, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Anyway, but if, if you look at that, four point seven two stars. Did you know that that's higher than um, Harvard? Well, fabulous. Yeah, it's also higher than Disneyland, and what that means is is that. Disney can say what they want. Online Trading Academy is the happiest place on earth. <laughs> proof in the stars, right? Well, after I got food poisoning at Peter Pan's hot dog place 30 some odd years ago. It was, that was at Disney World? It was World? not. Yeah. That was at Disney World. That was not the happiest place on earth. It ruined my whole Christmas vacation. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Anyway, um, so we've got a great show. In fact, we, we yeah. get to teach a little bit because I have two bits of strategy that I want to teach today. Okay. All right, because we had the Labor Day and that meant kind of a slow trading or mm -hmm. investing week. Um, so not a lot of information about the markets that I haven't already shared. Well, I thought that on Tuesday, sorry, another yawn. I thought on Tuesday it would at least like start bouncing up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, just kind of like, boop, yeah. bop, no, it was, it was and bouncing it was kinda, down. It was kind of like, I mean, not like, you know, giving some good, you know, and it, it, it did, it did bounce down. That's well, true. and actually I liked the trades on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Tuesday, not as it much. Was that was like more of a sideways day. Yeah. And so that was, that was a little bit tough. Uh, Friday really wasn't a good trading day. Nope. Because we had two fighting factors. We, we did. We had a market. That wanted to go down. It wants to go down. And it, then, the, the chart says down. Yeah. But. It's payday Friday. It's payday Friday. Yeah. 401ks. Yeah. So Mutual we'll talk funds. more about that in, in a few <laughs> minutes. All right. But yeah, we had a kind of a tough trading week. Um, but, but we didn't really expect all that much more during the first week of September. Now, during the remaining weeks of September, September's always a rough month, but it's good for trading because trading relies on volatility. Mm. September always has pretty good volatility. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited about September. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, you know, on Friday, we had this this fight between the market that wants to go down and the, uh, you know, it's payday Friday. And so the mutual funds, uh, driven by the 401ks. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at your 401ks, they're just filled with mutual funds, right? And mutual funds, they always put the money in right after they receive it. So it's on payday Friday and they yeah. go ahead and they simply buy the same things that they've always bought. Now, when you've got a big, 
you know, a lot of money, big buyer in, that generally puts upward pressure on the market. But here we are in a market that wants to go down towards its, uh, you know, towards its daily, uh, I don't know, the, the daily demand zone is what I would call it. Yeah. All right. It's not reached it yet. It wants to go down, but it's being held up um, here by, by a whole bunch of new buyers. Um, now, the problem with that is that the larger institutions, right, and the professionals, mm-hmm. they all know what payday Friday is. And they're happy to sell off whatever they've got, especially on Friday, because they don't want to be holding over the weekend. They want to be able to sell off at the very highest, um, you know, here, here at the very highest prices they can. And so they're really very happy to have these um, 401ks mutual funds that are willing buyers at any price. All right. Mutual funds don't care what price they, they're going to pay. And so it's easy for the market makers and the market movers to simply move the market up in the beginning of Friday get it to a higher price than it would naturally be with lower volume. And then when the real volume comes in with the mutual funds, they simply, you know, sell off anything that they don't want to be holding. And here in uh, September, there's probably a lot that they don't want to be holding. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we had that fight today. And what that did was we we saw some strength in the early morning, and then it retraced all the way back down to the beginning of the day. And then it popped up again for you know, for the, uh, uh, for the 401ks. And so right there, when the 401ks started um, buying all of the larger market manipulators and market movers uh, started selling off and that put downward pressure on it. But then the market movers went away and the last of the 401k mutual funds bought, and we saw it retrace a little bit up. Well, that's what happens on payday Friday. Yeah. Uh, Either that, or it really just spikes up during the last couple of hours. (laughs) <laughs> it didn't this time, okay, because we had that fight going on. Yeah. Anyway, so I hope that gives you insight, um, and especially you traders out there into, uh, you know, in, into what's going on. But for you investors out there, I think that what that means is, is that if you're into mutual funds, then what's, you know, what's happening is, is that because the mutual funds are, I, I don't know, they're, they don't try and hide what they're doing. And so, and so, you know, you can always count on them doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. And that's easy to take advantage of. And so if you're into mutual funds, you just have to count on it underperforming, you know, things like the ETFs, which they all do, by the way. You know, they underperform the S&P and they certainly underperform the NASDAQ. And so holding mutual funds, well... I, I know that it sounds safe, but the ETFs are the exact same thing, right? Mutual funds, they're only, the only goodness about them is wide diversification. Uh-huh. Um, and that means that they've got 200 stocks in a basket. And so, you know, during time periods when we've got companies going out of business, companies dropping because we've got a bear market, yeah, um, not everything is dropping, not everything is going to go out of business, and therefore there's safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the mutual fund is, right? That's safety right. in numbers. Well, it turns out that the ETFs, exchange-traded funds, are exactly the same thing, only they perform better because they don't only buy on payday Friday. All right, so it's harder to take advantage of uh, of their buying um, habits. 
you know so uh so if you're if you're looking and you're saying well should i invest in mutual funds or or exchange traded funds exchange traded funds have a great track record of performing better than the mutual funds so kind of an easy call if you've got the choice it kind of is yeah. All right. Now, Sorry. I want to switch topics. <laughs> Aaron's looking at me like, Trina, do you have anything to say about this? And I'm all, no. I don't know. I was really happy to just keep talking. I'm sure you were. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Because like when I hear mutual funds, I'm like, mm, don't care, don't care. But the thing is, is that you need to, if you're young and you're like, I don't want to trade, I don't ever want to trade, mm-hmm. then then you need to talk to your advisor about your risk factors and, and about what, you know, you can take a little bit more risk than those who 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 well, are older and stuff. I mean, there's ways to move around the market. I shouldn't be giving advice because I am not a financial planner. I am no way yeah. should be one of those kind of people. But it would do you well if you don't ever want to invest to go talk to a fiduciary financial advisor. About ETFs. About ETFs, about things that you, you know, what you could do if you're young. If you're, and anybody could go talk to a financial advisor if you're like, I don't want to trade. I don't want to do this. I don't want to take over this responsibility myself. But if you want to take over the responsibility well, and you're like, I hate mutual funds and this just sounds stupid, you should come in. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> the, the financial gurus, if you look at the internet, you know, there's, there's studies out there and the financial gurus um, that control people's money underperform the market 90, 95% of them underperform the market itself, meaning that you would have been better off simply sticking your money in the S and P 500 rather than letting a professional, you know, actively invest trade for you. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Um, and you know, the thing is, is that even if they're better than the market because they're taking their fees out, the fund underperforms. So typically you're better off without the fees and simply uh, and simply riding the market if you don't want to be active and if you don't want to be a thinker about what's going on. Yeah. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about that that's, in a minute. But I wanted to switch topics altogether. Oh, okay. Because I was going to be like, and that's the nice thing about the markets is because you can choose you can. what you want to do. But if you're like, I want to take the bull yes. by the horns. Choose wisely. You just need to choose wisely. Your future depends on it. Okay. In fact, I, 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 uh, what, what was it? I, we used to say, uh, trade like that your future depends on it because it does. it does. Yeah. That, that, that should be obvious, but yeah. I think it bears. Be wise. Yes. You should hear it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Two years ago on, on the radio show now, two years ago, I didn't have the podcast, but I was doing the radio. You right? were doing radio, KTAR yeah. and... KTAR, KFYI. Yeah. Um, and on the radio, I told everybody what would happen if the rates kept going up. And what was going to happen is, is that because we inflation. have a corporate America... Well, no. It, it, so the rates were there to fight inflation, right? Oh, that's right. But, I, I thought you meant like printing all the money. Yeah. I got confused for a second. Yeah, so, Sorry, so guys. Led you down the wrong America, path. Corporate <laughs> America... Yeah, two years ago, I was looking at the debt picture, and and corporate America has never been in more debt than they than they have currently been. Are. Yeah, currently are, and so you know it was kind of a no brainer to look at that and say, all right, well, if inflation keeps going up, and you were right about inflation because mm-hmm. that's when we started seeing persistent yeah. inflation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Fed was calling it wrong; they were saying it was temporary or transitory inflation, mm-hmm. and. Um, and the numbers didn't agree with them, but that's what they kept saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in a couple of months, two years ago, so uh, what was it, 20, 
2021, uh, December of 2021 is when the Fed actually admitted. In fact, I remember the date. It was the December 13th of 2021. I'd been calling it for five months already. And the Fed finally admitted it. Right now, I'm not saying that I'm a genius or anything like that because it was in the numbers. The Fed just didn't want to admit it. The Fed knew. Nobody wants to admit it. I'm absolutely convinced the Fed knew because if I could call it, so could they. Oh, they probably called it like no, they probably before that. did. All right. <laughs> no, but kidding. maybe they thought they could sweep it under the rug if they did a couple of things. Anyway, they finally admitted that we had persistent inflation. And so they were going to move the rates up. Mm-hmm. And that was December 13th of 2021. Okay. Um, but they didn't start moving the rates up. Well, yeah. So the effect of moving the rates up is what I was more concentrated on. Because here I am, and I'm looking at the stock market uh, because people, you know, because I'm trying to help people that are investing. And I'm looking at the stock market, and if corporate America is in more debt than they ever have been, and now rates go up, that means that their debt becomes more expensive, and that robs the company of profits. Their interest rates, yeah. Well, yeah. So they already have debt. They have to renew debt, and that makes their new debt the renewed debt much more expensive when the rates go up, right? Mm-hmm. Which the only place they can more. get that is is coming from profits or they raise their prices and we have more inflation, which raises interest rates. It's a vicious cycle. But it kind of Ultimately, almost, it's going to rob their profits. In some ways, it kind of keeps everything just even up, you know, just like, mm-hmm. okay, you just keep... Yeah, yeah, anyway. Until people so, can't pay those prices anymore. The warning was is that we were going to get into a situation where we had zombie companies and some of those companies were going to play zombie for a little while, but a lot of them were going to be zombies only for a short time and then go out of business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now a zombie company is the walking dead and the walking dead are those that, um, those companies that are so in debt and have to pay so much towards debt that now they can't grow. And so they're just waiting for the next blow to knock them down and, and they're dead. Mm-hmm. Right. And now they're yeah, they're actually... It's a sucky place to be. Yeah. So so they're walking around zombie-ish because <laughs> they can't do... They, they really just can't do much. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've got a bunch of those out there and it started happening. This last quarter, the corporate bankruptcies have spiked 54%. Ugh. Okay. Uh, now, the zombie companies need to be aware. And if you don't... If you can't pick those out because you, you don't know how to read, um, read their balance sheets, read their books, mm-hmm. all right, then... You need to probably diversify because <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing. All right, now, this is ultimately going to be very good for for the, for the people companies that know that what do they're survive. doing. Survive, yes, because like then the market share goes to them, and then they can grow. And so exactly. it, it's almost it's almost like a brinksmanship. Did I use that correctly? Uh, well, yeah, it kind of. I mean, w- what it is 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 it's yes, survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. So when the less fit get weeded out of the markets, whatever, then mm-hmm. all of the customers have to go somewhere. They're going to go to the most fit mm-hmm. and that's going to push their, uh, their profits up because, yeah. you know, it's a supply and demand thing. Yeah. Right. So this is ultimately going to be very good for those that survive. Um, so the question is, is can you pick out those that are going to survive? Yeah. And if you don't know how to read their balance sheets, if you don't know how to read their books, you won't. And so the only thing you can do, if you don't know how to do that, if you're, you know, if you haven't been trained well, is you have to diversify because you can't hold, you shouldn't be holding individual companies. 
if you can't read their books, because if they become a zombie and then just go out of business, then you've lost And it doesn't really matter what their stock price says. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Because the people that are buying and selling their stocks don't know how to read the books either. And so that's why it's it's dangerous to also be um, trading on sentiment. I mean, we can still trade on sentiment and think like, because, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you look at Amazon... I mean, sentiment is good. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're slowly making it. Tesla and Apple and things like that. Their b- balance sheets don't look great. I mean, Apple probably looks well, better than all of them. But, but it's the sentiment. Yeah. So and the what are people going to put in? You know, but I guess then you need to have stops. You can't just yeah. like be trading like blind is what's yeah, going on. And there's there, a so. difference between trading and investing. Yeah. So the, the trader will always be able to... The trader does not get emotional. Mm-hmm. They look at the chart. They analyze the chart. They move according to the chart. Right. All right. The investor has to be more careful because unlike the trader who's going to be in and out in a mm-hmm. day, they actually have to look at the company that they're in and say, is this okay, going to survive Okay, so you're long-term? saying like long-term investments. Yes, I'm sorry. Long-term I, investments here. I blanked out. Yeah. For the, <laughs> for the zombie companies, if you don't know what you're doing, then you really should have wide diversification um, in your... In your, in your investment portfolio, portfolio yeah. right? Your retirement portfolios. Because you don't know what's going to go out. Yeah. For those that know what's going on, then they can get involved in some of these um, companies that are going to be able to take advantage of higher market share. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they're going to, you know, see, they're going to outperform the market, way outperform uh, any of the mutual funds. Mm-hmm. But you have to know what you're looking at in order to get there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you should be spreading yourself out. It's all you can do. Yeah, you just need to be careful. Right? For every for everyone that does know what they're doing, this is going to be one of those generational wealth building um, opportunities. Potentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if the market does what you expect it to do and what history has said, it could be, yeah, a generational wealth building. Well, there's, there's no two ways about it. When you have zombie companies and you've got 54%, um, you know, spike in bankruptcies, then naturally there is wider market share to be had. Yeah. Um, and so the companies that take that market share are going to be winners in the end. Mm. Can you find the difference between the winners and the zombie companies? And that's the real question here. The stock price is not going to tell you, um, even the way the stock is moving. Uh, for instance, GameStop, straight up zombie company. Hasn't made a profit since 2015. Yeah. All right. But it it went from, a, from $4 up to uh, almost $300. That was before the split. All right. Um, up to $400, <laughs> even, while, even while it was losing money. Yeah. All right. A clear sign that the people that were investing in GameStop had no idea what they were investing in, had no idea what the books uh, looked like, uh, holding on right now to a zombie company. And there's going to be some when it finally does declare bankruptcy that simply lose everything. Uh, those people that have no idea really shouldn't be in individual stocks. They should be diversified. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, I think that's the hard thing because like right now it's at $17. Yeah. And it's gone down from, (laughs) it's gone down from some, you know, high highs down to $17 and it's been steadily losing ever since that spike. Okay. Um, Because the spike made no sense. The company is not a good company. It has not made profit. And well, when I say it's not, not a good company, not. I'm saying that its books are bad. Uh, the the stock should never have, have jumped like it should. 
there was just no reason. Yeah. All right. It's unfortunately. And yeah. and they did split it. And so now it's come down to a reasonable price. But I mean, but you have all these people who like our son love games, love board games, love video games. Sure. And stuff. But it's it's so online now and you can get it. that well, it, it, You I know, mean, so yeah, let me let me demystify something for you. OK, because I, I hear this all the time. Oh, I want to invest in good company. I want to help good companies. So I'm going to buy their stock. Yeah. Well, look, once the IPO, the initial public offering is over, the company's not actually benefiting from their stock going up or down. The company itself is not benefiting because they have to announce when they're issuing more stock. What's happening is, is that the people that bought initially are now mm-hmm. selling to you or, you know, three or four, 10 generations, 50 generations down. Those people are buying back and forth. So you buying their stock is not helping the company in the least. All right. So if you say, well, I'm going to do this because I like the company, you better be thinking, if I like the company, then I'm expecting it to do well. And therefore, its stock is going to go up. Yeah. But you donating your comp- your your money to a your stock, thinking that it's savings. going to a company that you like, and not knowing if it's in good that, financial yeah, that, straits. That's, that's not that's not as a good thinking because yeah. what you're doing is buying from somebody that wants to sell, right? Yeah. Well, which is fine. It's just you're saying, okay, I do value this company and mm. things. But if you don't know what the books are saying, if you don't yeah. know what their profit and loss are, their PE ratios. Those kind of things, and you're doing this for a long term, yes. and that's really dangerous. Well, and if you were buying be the company, because that. that's what you're doing when you're buying a stock, right? You're buying ownership in a company. But if you were buying a company, even if you liked it, would you buy it at, at, at twice its value or three times its value? No, you would want to, to buy it at the best deal you could and, and watch it appreciate from there. You're an owner, yeah. okay? And that's a financial decision. Uh, the best company in the world at overpriced, uh, you know, overpriced is still a bad buy. It, <laughs> so why do it, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, and speaking of of uh, things that are overbought, we we talked last week about uh, Warren Buffett, and he's going to keep coming up because he's very good at what he does. Um, but we talked about him pulling more cash out of the market. And I wanted to address just quickly, you know, the idea of what is he looking at? Because... You know, uh, as the market has gone up throughout this year, right from January up to July, it was yeah. it was just on an an upward push. And I know here in August we've had a couple of you know a, a couple of down weeks, but but overall it's been way up this year. But Warren Buffett has steadily been selling off, getting out, getting out, getting into higher cash mm-hmm. positions. All right, well, what is he looking at? His favorite. And I, you know, if, if you're at home and have the opportunity, now if you're in your car, don't look this up on your phone. But if you're at home, I want you to look up GAAP 500, or S&P 500 GAAP earnings. Now that's G-A-A-P. And this is an indicator that Warren Buffett absolutely loves, okay? It's the yield of, or, or the profits of all of the, uh, the companies in the S&P 500, which... There are 505. So if you compare their price to profit ratio Mm -hmm. as opposed to um, the bond cash yields, it shows that the S&P 500 companies Uh are more overvalued now than they have been since before the dot-com market crash. 
meaning that we're in a serious bubble if you're looking at stocks as a value. As a value investor, not as right. a day trader. So if you're looking stuff, at this saying, so. would I buy this company at this price? Then you would obviously say, no, everything's overpriced. And that's, you know, Warren Buffett is a value investor. He only buys things when the company makes sense to be bought. Yeah. Um, and that's when it's at fair price or below price. He loves below price, by the way. <laughs> so do I. Um, but he's looking at at everything and saying, well, way overpriced right now. Yeah. Good time to sell off when yeah. it's overpriced because it, it will eventually, um, you know, revert to its mean. Its mean is going to be much lower. So yep. he's expecting a dive and that's why he's holding billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in, in, in cash instead of letting his money work for him. Yeah. Right. He's- All right. So to him, if there's no value, there's no investment. Yeah. And he's seeing no value right now. All right. Just that. Okay, so strategy of the week. Strategy of the week. And I'm going to actually title this podcast. The title of this podcast is going to be Good Losers Are Not Born. Good Losers Are Made, Not Born. I think that's what I'm going to say. Good yeah. Losers. Now, that doesn't sound very good coming from an investing and trading company, okay? Because nobody wants to be a loser. Right. But the idea here is if you're going to be good. Trading education company. Trading you education. You said trading right. company. And I'm like, nope, that's not what we do. Yes. We teach trading you Trading and investing trade. education. <laughs> I'm sorry. Trading and investing education company. Um, you know, we don't, we're not here to train people how to lose money. That, and that's Hopefully not what not. I'm implying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I am trying to say that if you're going to be good, I don't care what, what it is you're going to be good at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whether it's sports or trading. Or investing. Board games, card games. Right. You know. um, you're going to have to accept <laughs> that, that in some instances, there's going to be losses. Yeah. Okay? Losses come. You can't control it. Um, you know, things happen. They do. Now, you've got the choice at that point when losses come. You can either lie down and just, you know, play dead or, or die. Or bury your head in the sand. Yeah. <sighs> you know, or you can be a bad loser. Now, all of us have seen bad losers before, especially in sports. Especially when we were kids. Come on. All of us were bad losers every now and then. Come on. And the worst of the bad losers never made it to, you know, to anything professional. Because if you can't lose and and learn something from it, if you can't lose well, Mm -hmm. then you don't make it that far. And when it comes down to it, a good trader, a good investor is someone who knows how to to lose graciously. Now, that doesn't mean lose a lot. That means lose graciously. Well, and I think also they go back and they go, okay, could I have done something different? Yeah. Could I have seen something different in the charts and stuff or in the company that I'm investing in? And that's that. And they study it out and they they relook at it, you know. Well, and not only that, but, you know, I had a football coach and he was, I considered him just an excellent coach. I remember one time where we were just clearly outmatched. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. were so outmatched on the field. Yeah. All right. Um, and it, it became clear, especially, you know, as we approached the second half of the game, that we were not going to win this game. Yeah. And so he made the decision to simply stall the game, okay? Meaning that that when it came down to it, we were going to lose, but we weren't going to lose by much. We yeah. lost by a touchdown, yeah. okay? But his whole tactic from that point forward was to simply stall everything. 
Okay. Okay. And so we put it on the ground and we took as long as possible on the ground and we forced them into short gains, short gains, short gains. Um, and, and ultimately we lost. No, it was, it was, it was a, a touchdown and a field goal. All right, we lost by 10 points. It was 10 points. Yeah. But we, it should have been a blowout if we had if we had tried to match them play for play. So it should have been like 50 to 7 is yeah. what you're saying. If yeah. you were lucky. Oh, easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but but he, but he he understood how to play the game and because mm-hmm. of that, yes, we lost, but we didn't lose by much and we went on to um, to take division not state. Of course, they were the state champions, but division (laughs) because he was a smart player. Yeah. All right. So overall, even though our team wasn't the strongest, we won more than we lost simply because he was smart about his losses. Yeah. All right. And we got matched up with the right people when it came to, you know, because when you get to the, uh, the playoffs, they always match the strongest teams against the weakest teams to eliminate them quickly. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a good track record, you know, higher point score or whatever, then okay. you get the weaker. So we got further than we should have. <laughs> and that's the point. That's all right. The now point. in trading, in trading, all right, good losers are those that aren't going to take big losses. Right. So let's talk about some of the key rules around losing. All right. When you have to take a loss, you have to learn to cut your losses. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what that means is, is when it's confirmed that your thinking was wrong, when you get into a position and it's going against you mm-hmm. and it's going against you to a point where it's, it, it's plain that you expected it to go up or you expected it to go down and it's not doing that. It's doing yeah. the opposite mm-hmm. and it's going to keep doing it. When that becomes obvious, you need to just get out. Why take a bigger loss? I know. Right? Well, and I think once you've taken a big loss because you've just held on to it forever and then you're like, oh, you know, and you're like, I could have gone out here. I could have gone out here. And then this started hurting and then this hurt worse. And then this, (laughs) oh, now I have nothing. And so I think like, it's just important to be able to say, yeah, I've got to see the charts. I've got to see, did I go against the trade? Well, and I can't tell you how many people I've, I've seen this year who have had six figure losses in trading. Now, these aren't our students. These are coming to us because they've had losses. They thought they knew what they were doing, yeah. right? It worked over the last couple of years, um, buying the dip and whatever else they were doing. Didn't work this year. Okay. Yeah. And so they're coming to us with six figure losses saying, oh no, what am I doing wrong? And, and when I take a look and talk to him, it always comes down to the same thing. They have it in mind that this is what's going to happen and they can't give it up. And so when it doesn't go that way, they think, Oh, well, it's going to turn around. Surely it's going to turn around. And so they buy more of it or sell more of it, you know, whether they're shorting or going long. And then they just get themselves into a bigger hole. Yeah. And ultimately, they never put down the shovel. They just keep digging that hole. Yep. You know, Um, a good loser recognizes, oh, okay, I'm below ground. Yep. I I dug myself a little bit of a hole. I'm done. And they put down the shovel. And they climb up. Okay. Yes. Um, So, you know, those that aren't professional are simply going to hope that it turns around. You know what? Hope is not a strategy. Hope's an emotion. And if you want to do well in the markets, it's not going to be because you're emotional. Well, and and we're not saying like trades don't go. I mean, you need to give your trades like room to grow. Yeah. You need to give it movement. You need to have it have movement to, to go the way you need to. But I mean, and as a day trader, when you're 
but when you're wrong, you want to be out of it as fast as possible because I want to keep my money. Yeah. I want to keep as much money as I can so I can trade another day or take a different trade that is that I am seeing the movement in the chart and that I'm that I'm going to make it. I mean, so yeah. like this whole thing of just hold on to it, you know, if you're day trading, why are you holding on to it? I never lose until I sell. Now that's garbage. That, that's garbage. Like, yeah. like... <laughs> Because I, I have been on the short end of that stick where I'm like, no, just hold on to it. Just hold on to it. And then oh, the company bankrupted and I should have been shorting and I should not <laughs> have been going long on that company. And I mean, that's when I wasn't trained as a trader, you know. Yeah. And so so I think that's the thing This is when when we just hold on to it and we're like, oh, I'm 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 just I know what I'm doing and I've been doing this for years and blah, 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 blah. And you're losing huge amounts of money like. I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? Like when people come in and they're like, well, my my account moves this much in one day. It's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. But I've been losing money lately and I'm all. I yeah. think that is a big deal because let's. Well, let's, and, and one of the. One and of maybe the, it's not for them. I don't know. For me, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, mm, I'm, I think setting a stop. As a day trader, I think mm -hmm. setting a stop and being like, all right, that didn't go well. Let's move on to the next day and and you know because it's just like retail it's just mm -hmm. like sales when you're selling clothing or you're or you're selling sometimes some days you're gonna have really great days and it's gonna go your way and other days it's you good. may not yeah it's not gonna go and that's why you want to have a, a tight yeah. trading plan and you want to move forward with trades yeah but the difference between the professional and the amateur is that the professional has demarcation lines they already have the point in there where they have decided if it hits this point i was wrong and they know how to recognize that. They know how to plan for it. And they let, they let the, you know, they, they let the movement actually tell them what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, the amateur is going to have a, an idea of where they sh may, maybe should get in, but not an idea of when they should get out if they're wrong. Yeah. Okay. And, well, and so, I don't care how long you've been trading, you know, if you don't know where to get in and where to get out. Well, yeah. So I guess I, the difference between the profitable professional and the unprofitable professional Amateur. is that the profitable professional will they have a plan yeah and they'll follow that plan they're disciplined enough to say oh that says i'm wrong i'm out i'll take the loss instead of a larger loss right okay yeah all right next don't th this is the next point so the first point was learn to uh, learn when you have to cut your losses mm -hmm. all right uh, the next point don't waste your latitude uh, i don't care how big your account size is all right. Taking if it's losses, a bad trade, don't take it. Yeah, don't stay in it. <laughs> don't okay? stay in it either. Just, well, I'll wait it out. Look, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your latitude. If it's not a good chart, move to another chart. Yeah. Don't be loyal. Just be like, all right, it's just it's yeah, not Don't Don't waste money just because you have it, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, can't tell you eventually, how many people. Because eventually someone's on the opposite side of the trade and they're enjoying yeah. your money. They're oh, taking it and geez. they're like laughing. They're just like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people I've I've met who just, you know, tell me, well, I'm down, but yeah, I'm going to hold it until it goes back up. And they're still holding a loser. Well, and, and that means that they don't have that money to actually move up with. Well, it sounds like they really need strategic investor. They need to understand what the valuation of the company mm -hmm. is. And so if we're talking about investments, not day trading, then they really need to be able to read those books. You really need to say, okay, this is a good investment. I remember in 2000 when the markets went down, 
there was a guy who could read the books and Aaron could read the books and they both are saying, we should get into this company mm-hmm. and want, and they got into the guy got into the company and I got into the company. Yeah. And the yeah. stocks went up and then he pulled out because it became overvalued <laughs> and the guy got out and Aaron got out and that was an investment. That was a good, that was a good choice. And so to me, that's what, that's what a great trader does is they say, okay, where's the valuation? And if, and that's what a great investor does. Mm-hmm. And so if you're talking about investments, yeah. I mean, sentiment is more of a day trading issue. You know, you're looking yeah, at the chart, you're saying, where's the per- for professionals. Sentiment is for, is for amateurs. It's for amateurs. And so if you're not a- analyzing a chart and it looks good for that day or for that week, great. That's for traders. That's for day mm-hmm. traders and things like that. But if you're looking for investments, you really need to know, is this a good company that I'm getting into well, for long term? Because yeah. you can do so much with it. You can you can throw some options on it and stuff and rent space. You could do what Warren Buffett does, but you have to understand the rules of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's two ways to go about it. You can either you can either um, see what's coming because you know how to read the books, or you can simply insure yourself with options. Right. Yeah. All right, it might come, so I'm going to have some options now. Ultimately, that's going to mean that you're a little bit less effective with what you do, but it, but it's still a good way to go. It's better than simply not knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, the final point. So we've gone through learn when to cut your losses. Uh, don't waste your latitude. Now let's go to the last one. Don't let lot losses stack up. Now this is especially important for you options traders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and actually, these are the only people because when when losses come, they come big and they come. Yeah. Well, they well, could come big and because like if someone's going to call away the stocks, they're like, no, no, it got to the price. You better have that stock on hand. Yes. Or else it's going to be big, big trouble. Right. So for directional traders, this isn't this isn't as much of a an issue. But for um, you know for for options traders, when you get to where you're to to where it's outside of your price right you you've been you've sold a, a put you've sold a call and it's going against you yeah right um it hasn't been called away yet but you need to look at that and say you know what that that's a likely that's a likely loss i need to just count that in my books as a loss and i need to figure out a way to get out of this mm-hmm. uh, this particular uh, trade now if you know how to use stops that's not as much of a problem let it work out for you okay yeah but um, talking with a guy, uh, I don't know, maybe a year, two years ago, he loved doing, playing a strategy that we call riding the lightning. Uh-huh. Okay. Which means he was selling into losses, um, you know, thinking that they would never get called away. Yeah. So he was, he was selling into a losing position right up front, thinking that it was never going to get called away or never get put to him when he was doing that. Um, and, and he was just, he just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. Okay. And his losses kept stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. And all of a sudden he got called for $3 million. Now he had, he had 3 million, <laughs> but it was painful. All right. His family wanted to take the keys away for heaven's sakes and just lock <laughs> up his accounts yeah. because he lost $3 million. And, and I mean, it wasn't like this guy was, you know, you know, like just bankrupted the whole family. They were just like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? You know? And so but it was a, it was a little bit of a chunk. Yeah. Yeah. He liked it. He, li- he liked to gamble his way. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Okay. So 
Yeah, don't let the losses stack up. Don't waste your latitude. Learn when to cut your losses. These are things that good traders uh, need to do. And that's what I'm going to call being a good loser. And good losers are made, not born. Okay? <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed it today. Um, and uh, and if so, you know, then do, do yourself a favor. Get some education because we've got some things coming up in the markets that could make generational wealth, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. But you've got to know what you're doing. All right? We have a free class to get you on the track, uh, to get you on the right track. Um, that free class is available to anybody. Now, the people in the Phoenix area, you get it live. You get to come in and actually, you know, sit and ask questions and things like that. That's the best way to take it. Mm-hmm. All right? If, you want, if you're in the Phoenix area... Then you can get in by uh, going to our website, www.tradingacademy.com. If you are not in the Phoenix area, you still want to take the class. We might have a center near you, but chances are what we do have is an online class for you. Yep. Okay. Not as good as the in-person class, but still very good. Um, For you, you would go to this website, www.tradingacademy.com. Okay. Same. Yes. Same website. Okay. So I just repeated it. Um, but the website itself will lead you to either get into a, uh, you know, get into a, a class if, if they or a, an online, online class, class, if there's not something close yeah, or an yeah. in-person class, if there is something close. If you're in okay? Dubai, you totally can go to this class in person. Yes, Dubai, in Dubai has a center. That's and right. India. India, you can do that too. So kind of, there's some places around the world. And throughout the United States. I think even in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And throughout the United States, you know. You're in Houston, Georgia. Yeah, all of those places. California, a bunch of places. All right. So just give us, you know, (laughs) go go to the website um, and see if there's a class near you. If not, take it online. If if it is, yeah, come in and see us, especially in the Phoenix area, okay? Again, www.tradingacademy.com. That's all we have for you this week. Hope to talk to you again next week, and we'll see you then.